This is the Orange Podcast, conversations with Orange City Council for the local community. This is Alan Reader, and with the first blossoms of the year now appearing in Orange, you've tuned in for another sign of fresh spring growth that is the Orange Podcast. Coming up in this jam-packed edition, we'll hear from Orange City Council CEO about the ideas behind plans for Lord's Place. We're trying to slow things down in the city. We get a lot of tourists, a lot of foot traffic, but we're also trying to make a destination in Lord's Place South. We're trying to make a place where you you go. And often in the newspaper, you'll read two people saying how terrible things are. But the consultation we've done to date, we've had some really positive stuff um, from shopkeepers, from, from building owners. And that's what we need. As staff, we need to bring both sides of the story out because there's a lot of positives in doing this. And we'll meet up with another new member of Orange City Council and why what she saw as a lack of diversity prompted her to stand for election. I thought there's a shocking lack of diversity in previous councils and that's something that... There's so much literature now around about how how the best decisions and the the best organisations are those that that embrace diversity and and have representation from all all walks of life. So um, I thought, well... That old saying, if it is to be, it's up to me. So I I thought, if now's the time, I'll throw my hat in the ring. More from Councillor Mel MacDonald later in the show. And a solution to your problem if you're looking for a guest speaker for your next community group meeting. All that coming your way in the Orange podcast. But next, CEO David Waddell on how state and federal governments get local councils to do their work. You're listening to the Orange Podcast and joining us for a quick wrap-up of where things are across the whole council organisation, CEO Dave Woodell. Dave, thanks for coming in for a chat. Um, we've got we've got a person in the council staff that tries to coordinate the process of going for government grants. There's some money out there at present, isn't there? We do, yeah. Dr Chris is her name and she's got steam coming out of her ear at the moment. Why is that? Well, there's just so many grants out at the moment. You remember the state budget was... Um, very ambitious in terms of how they were going to solve lots of problems, housing, infrastructure, um, water, etc., etc. So we have just been bombarded with grants. And Dr Chris is spearheading it and she is writing grants as we speak to try to get some of this money. When you say we're bombarded with grants, the way that works is that the government announces a grants program. Correct. And then we apply for it and we have to show criteria why, it's, why we should get it and not Dubbo, for example. Correct. And, and importantly, we have to create projects that respond to the grant. So we've got things called resources for the regions. We've got things called um, stronger country community funds they've all got criteria we've also got housing acceleration funds so that one for example you need to show infrastructure that would accelerate the building of houses which might be sewer pipes or water pipes or roads that sort of thing there are community projects which need to show that you'll strengthen your community infrastructure and so on there are there are tourism grants where you might be building tourism infrastructure such mm. as such as art galleries or conservatoriums that's interesting mm. that that's a way that the governments of all levels work, state and federal, they announce they're going to do something, a particular initiative, they find the money, but it isn't necessarily them that delivers. Sometimes it's local government that comes up with the programs to help them do what they want to do. I would say almost a lot of the time, I've got to be careful, 
a lot of the time they use local government to get the thing out. And then you've got Transport for New South Wales, who does all the major roads. You've got Sydney Water, who does their water. But um, m- most of the time, local government. No one's complaining about roads and infrastructure spending. Does this sort of grant thing get in the way of what Orange City Council and, and the Orange community would like to happen instead? Uh, no, we just use the grant money to bump out our own money. And, you know, we'll build build a road that we would have built anyway and use other people's money. It's glorious. That's <laughs> yeah. what local government does. We live off the scraps of, of grant money and, and, and we, we use our own money as little as possible. But in the meantime, someone, some staff employee is going to do the hard work of uh, ramming what we want to do into those grant criteria yeah. and make sure it gets done. And then it's a competitive process. The government Correct. will work out how who gets the money and who misses out. That's the theory, Alan. It's a competitive process and all projects are chosen on merit. Another thing on the council's agenda at present is Lord's Place South. That came to a council meeting a week or so ago, and it's it's now in the process. Where's that one up to, and what happens next? So, and, and that's a grant program. We've got $500,000 to do a shared space um, um, project in Lord's Place. It went to council seeking exhibition. Council um, probably quite fairly said, look, we want you to do a bit more work before we allow it to go on exhibition. There were real concerns around car parking, um, and some concerns around traffic. So uh, we've got a consultant looking at car parking, how we might rearrange car parking to offset some of the losses in car parking. And we'll come back to a council meeting soon and seek exhibition again. So the loss of car parking, 22 spaces, I think it was, um, we'll try to bring that down. But also when we talk about the loss of car parking, it's not a pure science of we're losing a one-hour car park in Lord's Place. We're also re-timing the car parks in Lord's Place. So a one-hour, you know, so 10 one-hour car parks turned into 10 one-half-hour car parks actually allows movement. So you end up with 20 car parks. If you think about it that way, it's not a pure loss. That's what we need to prove to the councillors and, and the community. So I'm quite confident that um, we'll get that work done quite soon and then we'll go back for exhibition. What's behind these changes? Are, are there, is the big picture pedestrian friendly as opposed to car friendly, changing that emphasis? That's right. We're, we're trying to make a, a play, two things. We're trying to slow things down in the city to make it more pedestrian. We get a lot of tourists, a lot of foot traffic, but we're also trying to make a destination in Lord's Place South. We're trying to make a place where you, you go. You go and have a meal, you go. Things slow down. We don't really have a plaza in Orange. We don't have a gathering place. So part of the vision is to is to slow that part of Lord's Place down, and that's, um, a, that's a mind shift for the community. Well, it is for, for someone who's grown up with the idea. I drive there, I park out the front, I get out, and then I drive away quickly. The idea that I'll park around the corner and then spend more time walking, maybe mm. walk past a few more shops and go browsing. Mm. That that's a shift, but it it tends to where this has happened in other parts of the world. It's created much more uh, friendly centres of community where people will hang longer. That's right. I'll meet you down at Lord's Place. So it's, know, not, it's not just about parking, it's about creating something bigger than that that's, that's better for our long-term growth. And often in the newspaper you'll read two people saying how terrible things are. But the consultation we've done to date, we've had some really positive stuff um, from shopkeepers, from, from building owners, and that's what we need. As staff, we need to bring both sides of the story out because there's a lot of positives in doing this. And we're not going to do it on Summer Street. It's too busy. So Lord's Place we pick, we work it, we try to make it a destination, we slow it down. Sure, car parking's an issue. We've got the O for car park we're working on for a long-term deck solution. We've just got to tell the story better. And the community will get lots of say once it, if the council makes the call to put it on exhibition, lots of opportunities for the community to have their say then. Sure, absolutely.
on a micro story, um, a couple of months back with the council as part of the budget did a bit of publicity about encouraging pensioners to pick up a rebate. There's a thing in our, our rates package where that if someone's um, paying rates because of the house they live in, but they're also a pensioner, they can get a couple of hundred dollars back. It's been interesting to see that lots of people didn't know about that and there's been a flurry of people applying. Well, it's in our budget to, to give these rebates. So yeah, I do encourage any pensioner to come in and, and, and take advantage. But you're right. A lot of people just don't know about it. But new people coming into town and new people becoming pensioners yep. as they age. So, yeah, come along. Come to the front counter. Talk. We'll, give, we'll, we'll tell you all the details. It's two hundred dollars, isn't it? Two hundred and fifty, yeah. depending yeah. on your, on your. It's a sliding scale. Yeah, up to so, two hundred and fifty. And the good news yeah. is, if you applied today and got accepted, you can backdate that a couple of years. So you've got a couple of years you can pick up on. So if you if you've been a pensioner for three years and didn't know about it, you know you've you asked about that one when you come to the front counter. That's all for our uh, catch up for this week, Dave Woodell. Thanks for your time today. Have a good weekend now. Spring, four days away. You're listening to the Orange Podcast. If you've ever been on a committee for a local community group, one of the struggles of doing that is finding a new guest speaker for next month's meeting. It happens every month and you've got to try and find that person who's interesting, talking about a topic that the whole community can relate to. We've got a, prop- we've got a solution to that problem for you. Envirocon is an organisation that helps Orange City Council communicate with the community about how we manage our waste. And Joe Smith from Envirocon is here with a solution. What can you offer? Yeah, well, we're happy to talk to any community group around town um, if they'd like to hear more about what happens to your waste. So what goes in the bins, where the bins go and where everything ends up and um, pretty much anything in the waste space, um, specific recycling, you know, specialised recycling methods like textile recycling, soft plastic recycling, that sort of stuff. Happy to chat to people if they want to know more about anything in the waste space, composting, worm farming, all that sort of stuff too. It's a bit of a mystery sometimes. People just put the stuff in the waste in, it, in their green or red or yellow bin and it just goes away. Yeah. Um, but occasionally there are dilemmas for people. What kind of waste goes in that particular coloured bin? That's the sort of questions that come up? Definitely, yeah. So we like to give a bit of an overview of what goes in each of the bins because there's always a few things people aren't sure about and it's always good to get a bit of a reminder. Just a nice, simple way of explaining things to people and making sure everyone feels confident in using their bins and knowing that they're putting the right stuff in each of them. So that's really important. Almost everyone in town does that at some point. That, that if you're looking for a topic that affects everyone, waste would be it, I reckon. Definitely. Maybe water relatable. or sewage might be the next part, but, <laughs> but certainly waste is something that everyone stood in front of the bin on a Monday night thinking, oh, does it go in there or there? <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, very relatable, very relatable. We've all been there. So I think waste is a very interesting topic. I know a lot of people might think, oh, rubbish is boring. But, you know, those people who say that don't really know where the full story. So I think there's heaps to learn. And, you know, it's a really exciting topic, personally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people would, would think that's pretty weird, but what the heck. Um, it's, a, it's a topic, though, that, that does touch everybody. And Orange City Council has an interesting record of pioneering some new ways of doing that, uh, the way it manages landfill, the way it manages recycling. Can you also, if people are interested in that uh, that big picture of how the, how it happens, offer something more than just a, a guest speaker? Yeah, we do run workshops and events and things like that during the year. So um, those are the things we offer um, through our net waste as well. Um, they're all part of that. Do we ever do tours of the facility? We do do tours as well of the facility, yes, of both of our waste facilities. So Ofer Road Resource Recovery Centre and also the Eucarina Road facility out in Molong. So we offer tours to visiting both um, and we do them on weekends and school holidays so people are able to, to go to them and a little more easy to get to during the school holidays when people have time off. So 
the best way of finding out those is just to monitor social media and look out for when the next one's being organised. Yeah, jump on council social media. Facebook is usually where they're posted. Otherwise, you can always look up on Eventbrite um, free resource recovery centre tour in Orange and you should find that up there as well. And any other events we're running, just look up things happening in Orange. You should see whatever we've got going on. Okay, I'm organising a guest speaker for my next uh, meeting in a month. What do I do now? Uh, talk to me. So you can either shoot me through an email. So that would be at um, OCC Waste Ed, sort of education. So OCC Waste Ed at envirocom.com.au or just give me a call um, 0400 Details on a recent post on the Orange City yes, Council. Yes, or Facebook jump on page. Facebook and find the details there exactly. Joe Smith, thanks for your time today. Thanks very much. You're listening to the Orange Podcast. In December last year, we elected eight new members of Orange City Council who had not been on the council before. In recent episodes of this program, we've been trying to find out a bit more about these eight people, who they are, what's important for them, and where they'd like uh, Orange City Council to go in future. Uh, next cab off the rank, Councillor Mel McDonald. Thanks for coming in for a chat today. Um, introduce yourself. Who's Mel McDonald? Uh, thank you, Alan. Um, who's Mel McDonald? Well, um, I um, grew up here. I wasn't born here, but I grew up here. Um, went to St Mary's and Calair and then Kinross and once I finished school I went off to uni um, tried tried two degrees before I found nursing um, and I have not looked back since um, so I've been nursing now for about uh, 16, 16 years or so I suppose um, and I've worked in a variety of areas I've worked worked in Sydney worked at Westmead Hospital in the intensive care unit um, which was fantastic and really full on but it's not conducive to family life <laughs> or any other kind of life um, and I've worked in community health I've worked in um, theatres um, I've worked on the wards I've worked um, and now I'm working for a private practice so it's um, so I think I've done almost the entire gamut um, but yeah no, it's, it's a fantastic job and I love it What prompted you to stand for Orange City Council? Uh, well, I moved back here about uh, 11 years ago um, from Sydney because I, I really missed that community aspect. Um, in, in, I mean, Sydney's great for, for some things, but it's um, it really lacks that... Yeah, it lacks that community feel, that, that sort of that sense that we really have here in Orange. And so I moved back here um, and uh, straight away I sort of got involved in the Environmental Sustainability Community Committee um, as a um, community member. And that was sort of my way of trying to find out what council was doing, particularly in terms of sustainability and, um, and those sorts of actions. Um, so... Through that, I, I sort of tried to agitate for a few few changes and, and, and push for a few things. And, and we got some runs on the board. We did. We, um, But I also realised how – it was a learning experience in terms of how, how council works and what the process is. But also I saw sort of saw some opportunities where possibly we could do a bit better. Um, and then it got to um, – it got to the point where I was becoming more and more interested in what was done in the actual meetings themselves. Um, I'd watch the live streams um, and I'd a lot of the time I'd sit there going, how is this okay? <laughs> how are we as the community okay with this behaviour and this as our quote-unquote representation? Um, and the other thing too was I thought there's a shocking lack of diversity in previous councils and... 
that's something that I mean, there's so much literature now around about how how the best decisions and the, and the best organisations are those that are that embrace diversity and, and have representation from all all walks of life. So um, I thought, well, it's that old saying: if it is to be, it's up to me. So I, I thought, if now's the time, I'll throw my hat in the ring. Some people who get angry with council, and there, there are a few around town, um, would just walk away and say, no, they're a bunch of idiots, I can't, I'm just going to criticise from the sidelines. What's it say about you that you want to get involved in that and try and change it? Um, I guess I, I've, I'm always someone who I can't, I can't let things go. I need to know that I've done as much as I possibly can to, to fix something before I go, okay, yep, no, I'm, I'm done. And I knew that if I didn't at least throw my hat in the ring, um, get onto council and give it my best shot, I knew that I would always regret it and it would always, I would sort of have to stop myself whenever I complained going, well, hang on, you had your chance to stand and you didn't stand. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's more about just, what's that, the other saying, a walk, walk the talk and all that. <laughs> yep, sure. What was your reaction at getting elected? Um, I I was relieved. <laughs> um, it was such a long campaign um, because I decided in uh, November 2019 to stand, and and then obviously with the pandemic and the delayed election and then another delay, it was. I just, it was a long campaign. It was a really long campaign, particularly in my head, even though I hadn't announced for the 12 months previously. Um, in my head, I'm still doing strategies and working out things and, and you know, pulling together support. And um, yeah, it was, it was really, it was relief. <laughs> um, what, what I actually did, I did a little happy dance when I saw that Gerald got on too, though. I was, I was so tickled pink that, that he finally got up and that we've got our first Indigenous um, councillor, which is just brilliant. Um, and I'm really, I'm really happy with the makeup of this council. I, I, think, I think the community's done a fantastic job. Uh, it's, I think it's the most diverse council we've ever had and it's, it's just, yeah, it's fantastic. That diversity includes uh, three women for the first time, uh, a councillor with a disability, an Indigenous one. Do you think, what, what are the practicalities of, of being on the council for a little while now? Why does that diversity add up to a better decision? Because everyone has different lived experiences and if we really want to represent the community as a whole, then we need to have a range of those lived experiences on council. And um, that way we can make sure that we're, that we're representing everyone as much as we possibly can. Um, if you just have one, one narrow type of um, representation, they only see what they see. They don't see what everyone else in the community sees um, and experiences. So I think it's... That's, it's um, I think it's really important, and and I think we've got a really gr- good group here. We we all have very different opinions and very different beliefs, but there's a lot of respect in there, um, and and the behaviour's been good <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> been, been good so far. Did you have particular projects in mind when you got elected? A, a platform that you wanted to see through? Absolutely. What, what were some of the highlights of that? Oh, how long have you got? Um, yeah. <laughs> the top few, perhaps. The top few. Um, look, um, footpaths and playgrounds. Um, they were probably the, the top two. Um, where I live, um, the, that housing estate is probably about 15 years old. Uh, there are other areas um, that are 30 years old and still don't have footpaths. And particularly when I, once I had my son and wanting to get out and, you know, go and take, take him for a walk in the pram and then as, as he grew on his little bike and all these sorts of things... There's no there's nowhere to, to ride in our neighbourhood. We actually have to get in, pile everything in the car, 
and drive somewhere that has footpaths or or go to like the wetlands walks or out to Gosling Creek. And that's not always convenient. Um, And often (laughs) can't fit things in the car anyway. Uh, So it was, it was a matter of footpaths and, and really, the, the connectivity that, that's lacking there. Council's done some really great work in the last few years trying to catch up on a lot of the footpath um, remediation and, and renewal and, and new rollouts, but um, there, there was a long time there when next to nothing seemed to be done, um, and so it's, it's a big game of catch-up. Um, and now, you know, weather and finances and things like that, it's, it all, it's, there's a lot more to it than just going, okay, we're going to put more foot, footpaths mm-hmm. down, but um, I think it's... I think it's such an important part of of, of life in Orange is, is we need to be able to walk everywhere because we've got such a beautiful city. And a bit of hard concrete surface in recent months. Things have been a bit wet in Orange. Um, <laughs> yeah. Parts of the... Lots of grass around with lots of puddles and mud. Yes. Footpaths do make a difference. It's amazing how, you know, symbolically, I suppose, you, that connection thing you talked about, but just letting people with a pram or just in a wheelchair or just walking be able to get around conveniently. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and it's also about getting people off because in, in my neighbourhood and in others, we're all walking and riding on the road. And and now the newer areas, and they're not, they're not wide streets. They're not designed to have, you know, cars parked either side of the road plus other cars going past plus enough room for a bus or plus people walking and kids kids riding bikes so it's it's not really a um it's it's not the best situation so if we can get people off off the road onto the sides it just yeah just safer and better and Footpaths, as an example, um, you're mentioning it. Th- you're getting your head around how things work. Yeah. Uh, is that you'd think that someone looking on the outside would think, okay, just build some more footpaths. Yes. What are the, what are the layers that you found about how council works that that you're exploring to try and get more footpaths? Uh, the main thing is money. The main thing is money, and it's it's really um, in going going to a couple of these conferences that, that um, council has um, sent me to this year. It's it's been an eye opening experience as to how much. Um, how how much council does with so little, really? Um, we we are expected to provide. I think it was something like there's something some huge percentage of um, services, but with just like one percent less than one percent of federal tax revenue. So it's um, and then people complain about rates and and how high the rates are. But um, if they understood that. that Real, other than grants and and sort of sporadic things like that, we we don't have a constant revenue stream other than rates. And and if people want to have things like the pool and 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 the art gallery and all these wonderful things that we have, um, then that money needs to come from somewhere. So I would say the money is the the trickiest thing um, and about balancing because if you've got it, if you want to take it put more money onto footpaths, you've got to take it from somewhere. So where do you take it from? Mm. Um, and particularly with the whole iPart thing, limiting rate pegging and all that sort of stuff, um, which is a whole other conversation. But um, it's it's that would be the main thing. Um, and then it's about prioritising where, where they go to. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm sure everyone would want a footpath out the front of their house. Um, but it's it's about making sure that it makes sense where we're, where we're putting them out. Um, and then and going from there. And how, how do you juggle a footpath versus a library versus a swimming pool? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Do we, you know, we, we need we need a bigger aquatic centre. So we, we you know, there's there's millions of dollars worth there. And do we do we sort of delay that a bit and just 
slam the footpaths or yeah it's it's all about all about balancing and the other tricky thing too is you've got to have the people to put the footpaths in too it, it comes down to to labor and materials as well these days so it's yeah it's, it's a lot of, it's not just a matter of yep i want more footpaths done your first six or eight months in the job how have you found it um there's a lot i knew i knew there was a lot of work to it but like i as i said i'm someone who who wants to get in there and wants to do it and do something properly. I, I'm i kind of envious of, of um, councillors, say, in Queensland who, who are paid a full, full, full-time wage for, for their work on council and that's their main job. And I can see how it would easily be a full-time job for um, a councillor who wants to throw everything at it. On the balance of, you know, um, frustrations and learning the system and and, and getting on with the team of, of, of other councillors, um, has it been a positive experience for you? Absolutely, absolutely. Look, there's there's always personalities and there's and everyone has has their own agenda, um, and it's it's about um, treating everyone with respect and approaching everyone um, with with conviction in what you want, but also respect that if. It, you can't convince everyone that your your view is 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 the right view, so it's about yeah treating everyone with respect. And I think I think on the whole we've done that really well. This council, I'm really 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 kind of proud of how we've done it. Yeah, this last council election was delayed by COVID and a range of other things, um, so we've got a, a, a shortened than usual council term. When we get to the end of that term, what have you got markers for yourself? Is what, what would you like to have done by then? Um, I think well I think the. the the good good short term win that we got thanks to um, uh, uh, Councillor Hamling, our mayor, and um, Tammy Greenhalge as well um, was the indoor playground. I think that that was something that that all three of us um, campaigned on, and uh, now it looks like it's it's possibly going to continue in another form. But it's um, it, it's that's sort of a, a, a yay short term win. Um, I the other thing that was. Um, that I had had as a big um, issue on my platform was was playgrounds, and um, there's in the new areas there's no shade, there's no shade, and in in the middle of summer, I mean okay yeah you can slather on sunscreen but the best prevention is is shade, um, so um, I my aim is actually to get a few playgrounds covered in shade cloth or, or the shade coverings. Um, so that would be a main thing. I'd, I'd like to be able to help out with um, the Lucknow um, Village. They've they've got a few projects they they want done out there, which I th- is it's looking positive that we might be able to do those. Um, yeah, I, I suppose it's just little, little things. I just want to know that I've done everything I can possibly do to um, to address everything I stood for and more, because other issues are going to arise in the meantime. But the shortened term is tricky. And as well as uh, particular projects, you sound like you wanted to start to change the system to some degree to make it smoother or better. Any signs of things you'd like to do there? Um, I don't know. I... I, th- I think it's a big elephant to move around. It, it, it is, and there's, there's also a lot. There's a lot to get your head around, um, and it's it's like a, it's like a massive ship to start steering a, a, a big tanker. It takes tiny little nudges. Um, so I, th- I think I, ne- I need to learn a bit more first. I'm I'm happy just to sit back and absorb more information and knowledge and work out the best plan of attack for that. And so, McDonald, all the best for the future. Thanks for coming in. Thank you, Alan.
And that's the Orange Podcast for this week. Remember, you can download this program anytime from the Orange City Council website or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Orange Podcast is produced on Wiradjuri Country. Until next time, this is Alan Reader. Bye for now.